Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to my podcast, Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out of the will and calling of God in and through our lives. Well, this is episode three of seven, and if I haven't lost a lot of you, then surely you can appreciate a good steak. So to refresh your mind, we have thus chatted about God calling us gods, Jesus, the superest superhero, the great loss of baby Christians due to poor training on a part of us, the church, our lives redefined, your new family, and some kingdom stuff. This is still all niblets for the criblets, but there is more, and so it is as we enter deeper waters. Keep in mind to have an open mind and take it from whatever is helpful and leave the rest behind. Just because you may not get the revelation of a message doesn't mean it's off or wrong. Beware of the pharisaic error. I know you know I make up words, but so let's go. Kids of Satan, of whom it has been written, that they will hate God and his children, and regardless of whatever God does to show them, that they are of the wrong seed, and that they will remain forever fallen, in part by choice. The message titled Seedy Seedlings shows us the obvious, but also the very well hidden facts of the matter and makes a distinction between us and them. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14, 15, you can see it. So wait, there is not an us, them, and those? Two seeds, period. The those are only the ones that don't yet know what seed they originate from. This is why we have the gospel message. It speaks to the children of God and blinds and makes deaf the other kidlings. Let's look at Genesis 3, 13 through 15. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat the dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. There's a lot going on in there, and we'll try to break that down. What is said here is clear that there are two seeds. We also know that this is not talking about plant or tree seeds, but human seeds. Only one is corrupted with, well, him, not God. In Genesis 4.1, we see it say, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. She said, From the Lord and not from Adam. There is a distinction. In Genesis 4.25, it goes on to say, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. This is also important. She also recognized that the seed that remained was not a godly seed, but that her error needed to be corrected, and another seed needed to replace Abel. Funny, given that Cain was still around, right? If Cain was from Adam, then why wasn't he considered a seed? Huh. In 1 John 2, 18-19, it states, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were us. This is really important, and I know there's a lot of us's in there, but check it out. There's a clear distinction between the children of God and the other us's. And I'm here to tell you that the other us's, the Antichrists, have a daddy, and it's not God. In 1 John 3, 18, 12, it states, He who sins 
is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. You remember the little tree story about the apple not falling far from the tree? There you have it. We have one that's reproducing what God reproduces, which is righteousness, and we have another reproducing what his father reproduced, which is evil. The oops, Cain was of who? Adam wasn't defined as wicked by God. And it doesn't say that the devil has kids. And doesn't it say that the devil has kids? We often hear, the devil made me do it. And this may actually be so, even though you open the door for him to do so. We can be tripped up as Christians by the devil. So that doesn't mean that we're his kids. But then there are some who are not tripped up, but actually living with him, doing everything he empowers them to do. In John eight thirty-seven through 47 let's see what it says. This is Jesus talking. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the work of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me. Note, Satan seeks to kill, steal, and destroy in John 10.10. A man has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Again, Jesus is referencing another father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my words. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks it from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. You notice he called him father again. A father usually has kids. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Now we can miss this. This has been in the Bible since it's been written. There's actually two seeds, and it started in the garden. Okay, so it may be hard to believe, but this last scripture hits the nail on the head. John states, we were not born of fornication. What? When did fornication happen? Well, let's look. Genesis three thirteen through 15 states, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle. More than every beast of the field, on the belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. 
Additionally, and aside from all the other scriptures that show us something terrible happened in the garden, we see that in fact something terrible happened in the garden besides disobedience. It is not all impossible to comprehend given in Genesis 6, 1 through 5. It states they crossed the spiritual and natural line. Sin may have opened the door, but wow, the intermixing destroyed the earth, or at least all that dwelt on it at that time, except Noah and his family. So we see, as I have stated in other messages as well, God has kids, but so does Satan. If you know this, then when you share the gospel and the person is unable to hear it, it would be wise to avoid defaulting to the I am planting or watering scenario in 1 Corinthians 3, 5, 6. But test every spirit and you will know in 1 John 4, 1. Jesus knew this and called them out directly. Lots, oh, churches do not encourage members to do this because they want the resources that the devil is bringing into their church through those unsuspecting peeps. The love of money, 1 Timothy 6.10, keeps the church dead. And Satan knows this and therefore uses it as one of his strategies. Better to let the bills go and fully depend on God to care for his church, Acts 20.28. He's not in the business of shutting down his church, but of weeding the dead ones out. I wouldn't put it past him. So in Matthew 12.30, we see it say, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. In or out, not in and out, or invited in, but out. We can believe the Holy Spirit all the time and in every situation, so he must be talking about the infiltrators. And more clues? Are we not to avoid laying hands on anyone hastily? Let's see what Timothy says in 1 Timothy 5.22. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Imagine that we are to keep ourselves pure. I have definitely not done a good job in this area. If you are to look at my example, you would see a glass dimly lit all right. But I will do all that is possible to allow God, His way in my life, in my pithy little life, until I go home. It is also why the Holy Spirit gives us a gift of discernment, and this is why we can cast out devils from people. Consider what John has to say on the matter. John 6, 70 states, Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? Hmm. In John, Jesus did not say, like a devil, acts like a devil, smells like a devil, quacks like a devil, but is a devil. So we must spend some time talking about fruitless things in order that we know that they exist and that there is something compelling to them to be fruitless. Are they gods also? Nope. Fruitfulness is something that is attributed to Christ-like behavior. We are fruitful because we are gods and we do what our Father does or should be doing what we see Him doing and hear Him saying. In Ephesians 5, through 13 it states, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. So you could say that all Christians are like flashlights. We were sent down to a dark world to bring that light. Darkness reproduces fruit. Stay away from them and it. Now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times in 1 Timothy 4, 1-3, Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Didn't Jesus state, Beelzebub cannot cast out Beelzebub? They will be speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So, but our Father treats us differently, doesn't He? 
In John 15, 16, it states, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. This is an amazing scripture. I hear people say often, I chose Jesus. But that's not what this says. He chose you. He's the one that was pursuing you the whole time. You see what Timothy states here, having a form of godliness. He did not say they weren't gods, but that they denied its power. Remember, do not depart from the fact that we are not equal with God, the Father. For we are not. We are his offspring. We came from him and not the other way around. Acts 17, 28 through 29 states, For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. (laughs) All you got to do is look around and look at all these little statues of what? Of gold, silver, or stone. But God says, no, it is not like that. So in Timothy, it states, here in the next scripture, having a form of godliness which can mean the only thing, right? There is a form of godliness and true godliness. There is a form and there is a true. There is a form of godliness without power and there is a form of godliness with power. Now you see why I preach so much that a church operating in the power of God is a good place to start. Now, but if they do not operate in any of the power or giftings of God, making up such excuses only befitting of a devil, then that is a good place to leave. Now, you should seek the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit before jumping in or out of a church. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 12, 18-24. So now we go back to 2 Timothy 3, 5. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. It didn't say it was powerless. It said that it was denying its power. And from such people turn away. And we got people that say that God loves everybody. Okay, so back to those things that separate us from the goats. And so, but now is a good time to consider that God will be asking us to do things here that are all but impossible. Yes, they are impossible for us to bring about, but not for him. It just requires us to understand that from the beginning, at least when our efforts fail, we don't take credit for the failure. Because if we did that, we may also be inclined to take credit for the successes. This next bit is taken from my message titled Gorilla Bananas. And in reading it, it may feel like I just left the planet host and began preaching to the great cloud of witnesses. So why you say that, Ken? Well, I say it because in all of my going on 30 years as a Christian, I have not tripped upon anyone who has met this criteria. Should we just ignore these criteria due to that fact? Nope. We are all different. We are gods. Surely we can allow God to bring us through, right? Let's take a look at some things. The Tabernacle of God, Hebrews 13.10. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Note the distinction. The temple of God, 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 17. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 2 Corinthians six sixteen. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has himself said. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. 
I will be their God, and they shall be my people. In Ephesians 2.21 it goes on to say, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And finally, in Revelation 21.22, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So perfection, these are attributes of a Christian, by the way. Matthew 5.48, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Matthew 19.21, Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go. Sell what you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Wait, so what just happened? We were just talking about the fall. Now we're talking about perfection? Yes, you see, because in this message, which is intended to go to the places, we often overlook as we read our Bibles, because it's easier to say that, yes, someday we will be perfect, and that is what the Scripture must be saying. Yes, someday? Nope. Now it is saying it. Jesus said to be perfect as the Father in heaven is perfect. What? we got to be like Daddy. So we got in a mess because we were trying to be fully like God. And now Jesus is saying to be perfect like his Father. Weren't we there in the garden of God before the fall? You ever have kids try to take on the parenthood of the family? That's what we did in the garden. We simply tried to take on the Godhood. Didn't Satan fall because he tried to do the same thing? The pastor, Norman P. Grubb, chatted this topic up in one of his books, and yes, it startled me because, like you, I believe Jesus was talking about the future me. So, but I'm not going to unpack this, as I actually have a different reason for this message, and I want to stick to it. Maybe. I think I should try to explain each of what little I know, as this is a complex message, as you will see in the end, if you haven't already seen it. We are not left to ourselves to try and understand complex things in the Bible as when we are ready to receive the revelation of it. Then the Holy Spirit will open up his can of wit. (laughs) Anyway, let's ride. Ephesians 4.13 states, Until we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, there's that word perfect again, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we see in this first example that unity and faith in the knowledge of Jesus can make us perfect. That, in fact, is the definition of being perfect in this example. So rubber to road looks like you are reading your Bible on the regular, and that when you go, yes, go to church, unless you are an itinerant minister or have a ministry moving about like a traveling circus, that you focus on unity. No criticism, no judging, or hating haters, but focusing on the bond of unity towards your on-earth heavenly family. This is why he said we must love one another because we are from the same Father. Colossians 1.28, Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Notice here it says, till we all come. When he uses the word all, he's not talking about everybody on the planet. He's talking to the seed of God. We always have to make this distinction. No, we don't go around saying, oh, is this person of Satan or is this person of God? That's not our job, but we are to test every spirit. You do not want to preach to the devil. And let me tell you, Jesus never gave us an example of that. He always warned the people of the devil, but preached to the seed of God that was still lost. Isn't that our job? Isn't that why we preach the gospel? We are not looking for the devil. We are looking for the lost children of God. Saying the same as above. Colossians 4.12 states, Ephesus, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. In Ephesians, we see a great example of standing, so that we can see one of the many facets of profession as far as Colossians is concerned, is that we engage in spiritual warfare, fully armored. 
There is a bunch of instruction that goes along with Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, 13, 14 states, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. In Hebrews 6, 1 it states, Therefore leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. So in this definition, it looks like perfection is defined by spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is defined by the activity you take to grow as a disciple, and that you are in a church that is equipping you for the work of ministry. By doing this, we move away from dead works and increase our opportunity to also grow in our faith towards God. Now you see why we don't have time to point fingers at one another or to cry that the world is in an awful place. Yes, I have included this because I have been around enough Christian circles to have toxicated my ears with such thoughts and speakings. So in James 1.4 states, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. By the way, and although I have messages on how to read your Bible, I am teaching you how to do it now, along with the value of reading it and feeding your spirit more than you stuff your face with the delicacies of this earth. Although a Krispy Kreme donut sounds good right about now. So I digress. So this is obvious. Just have patience. No, develop patience. No, let patience have its perfect work. You see the sneaky voice of patience? Let me perfect you by you allowing me to dwell in your innermost parts. To grow in patience, you only need to allow it to work, so give it permission to perfect you. This definition sounds like we get some help being perfected. James 2.22 Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect? Oh boy, can I get a shout out and an amen. Yes, I deal with the subject of works and other messages, but it is so misunderstood in the body that we end up being so lazy, always depending on other Christians, who don't understand the benefits of being religiously lazy, to do the work for us as we stand by and judge them for trying to earn their salvation through works. Yes, there is a lot in there, but basically I am saying that Christianity is work. We do so not to earn salvation, but because we authentically experience salvation. This is what the judges of the working Christians need to experience so that they don't keep spewing out their toxic and faulty interpretation of the Bible. Much love. Yes, it hurts, but it has to stop. Be a learner, not a burner. The other important factor is faith, which tells you that faith is a requirement in your working to be made perfect according to James in this verse. Faith calls those things that don't exist as though they do. Everything you need for your life and ministry is invisible. And so you only need to work in faith to bring it down through the windows of heaven and into your situation. Well, it seems like another awkward place to stop, but time tells me something else. So that's it for today. And wow, what a journey so far. I hope you're enjoying this message. May your appetite for the things of God steadily increase with each message you listen to on this podcast. Stay tuned for episode four, which will continue with perfection. Oh, yes. Perfection, the God kind of perfection. It may not be what you think. So remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding the message, but what you can take away from it. Together we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, steal, and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of lights to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.